going to be any more ready to do this thing so let's just do this thing uh hey everybody welcome to marvel by the month this is an omnibus bonus episode to complement our regular weekly episodes we're going to cover all of the february 1970 issues on marvel unlimited that we didn't cover in our main episode with Corey mintz last week uh my name is brian stratton mine is rob milne and i'm jamie wenger uh as usual the february 1970 issue of sergeant fury is not on marvel unlimited it might actually be a reprint book at this point i haven't double checked that i know at one point sergeant fury becomes a reprint book because mm. a lot of marvel stuff is just kind of turning into reprints now um uh but that does leave only six issues uh for us to cover this week um guys let us try to record less than two hours of audio uh, this time this editing is killing me okay i promise <laughs> nothing short and sweet uh no tangents no jokes oh yeah, yeah this is gonna be like the best. Just, yeah. just the facts yeah uh hey i'm gonna get us started uh with an issue that i think i can get through pretty quickly because i don't have all that much to talk about um but i you know fully expect we'll get derailed uh, real quick yep uh and this issue is captain america number 125 the story is called captured in vietnam it's written by stan lee the art is by gene colin uh with frank giacoya doing the inks um so like i said i'm not going to spend too much time on this one um just because this is the second consecutive issue of captain america that i feel like uh it was the lowest priority of the month for everyone involved mm. in the production of this story mm-hmm. Um, I do have a fun game you can play with this <laughs> that could add an hour to it. Um, but if you think that everything that Captain America is saying is something that America is saying, ah. uh, you know, during the civil unrest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, there you go. Yeah. He's Captain Metaphor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he has no nipples. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Just like America. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we have puritanical roots. Um, yeah, and I don't mean this to be like a dig at the book. It actually does get a little bit better pretty soon. And then it starts getting, I think, personally much better. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, hey, there's a certain number of hours in the month. Um, Gene Colan's doing like seven books now. Mm-hmm. Stan's doing as many, at least. Um, something's got to give. Um, and maybe Stan is like, hey, this is a book that writes itself. Uh, and then he finds out that's not actually the case. Right. Um, After 10 books go by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. What the results prove is maybe it doesn't. <laughs> so basically, uh, this issue starts out. Uh, Cap is bummed out about what he sees as his betrayal at the hands of Sharon Carter, <sighs> who had the nerve to put herself in danger trying to rescue him from one of Modoc's traps. Mm. How dare she? How dare she? Um, and there is actually one remarkably candid panel on page two of this issue, um, where Cap says, if I had a job or friends <laughs> or any sort of social life, maybe I could take the loss. 
but the life I lead, the loneliness, gives me too much time to think, to remember. Um, and I think, like, once again, like, whether this is intentional or not, I think Cap just remains this very heartbreakingly accurate glimpse of PTSD yeah. um, mm. in action. Oh, wow. Of someone who's not getting the help they need and is sort of being like suffocated by their trauma. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I, like I took that and thought like, well, I mean, you're like working with shield all the time and you're also on the Avengers. Like how much more, and you have a girlfriend sometimes like, yeah, like you're, he's not as alone as it looks, but if he's, traumatized yeah and it's not then that totally tracks well, he's obviously last... a bad communicator too, <laughs> yeah, <so>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of can isolate you more right so, right yeah. yeah well he's a 1940s guy he's a terrible communicator yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that all tracks that's yeah great. but but like you know also like last issue uh i mean he got he got pissed off at nick fury he got pissed off at sharon carter he doesn't really hang out with the avengers consistently right um he moved out of the mansion so He's in a flop house having undisciplined tantrums where he throws like his mask against the, the cheap lamp he has. Yeah. The only light. The only in light. Room. <laughs> the whole yeah. room. No, I've got no light. <laughs> Good things get okay. any worse. <laughs> Super derailing. We made it to page three. Yep. Oh, Pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Anyway, so uh, interrupting his his morbid reverie uh, is he he hears about. Uh, on a news program, uh, the disappearance of Dr. Robert Hoskins, who is a world-famous peacekeeper uh, in Vietnam. Uh, Dr. Hoskins, of course, would go on to play Mario Mario in the 1993 <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Cap decides to do the one thing that he feels like he still does well, um, and he's going to throw himself into a war zone. Um, so uh, he he uses connections, hitches a ride to Vietnam, uh, and he kind of cowboys this. That State, De- State Department guy is creepy. Like, yeah. Seriously creepy, right? Speaking oh, I think Mario, he's got guys, Mario's yeah. mustache. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the Corinthian from um, the, the Sandman books. Like he has glasses, like, but there's it's just like mouths behind the <laughs> yeah, eyes. Yeah. 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 There's no soul behind those. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so Cap gets he, he basically, you know, dives into Vietnam head first, literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like from the minute he arrives, I thought this was really interesting too. Is like he just seems lost and out of place. Yeah, um, this is not World War II anymore. Um, they, like at first he's he's like worrying about losing his shield when he throws it if it doesn't come back to him. It's like it's not safe to go out there and recover it. Yeah. Um, he makes comments about the terrain. He's like, I just don't know the terrain yeah. here. Um, oh, there was something else. Uh, uh, he, he says he shouldn't have worn his costume because it stands out like a beacon here. Yeah. And it's like, if you're talking about Captain Metaphor, I yep. mean, it's like yep. maybe dressing like the American flag in Vietnam was not the smartest idea. Yeah. You know? Um, so, you know, it's it's chilling uh, if you read it that way. Um, and if you don't read it that way, it's just kind of like, oh, this is just not a very well-told war story. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But I'm going to yeah. go with a metaphorical yeah. uh, angle. Um, uh, he... So Cap, uh, he intentionally, he basically doesn't have a plan. So he intentionally uh, triggers a tripwire uh, to get himself captured by soldiers. Uh, and these soldiers don't seem to be affiliated with either North or South Vietnam. Uh, they knock him out. They take him to the mountain stronghold of the true evil mastermind, the Mandarin. Oh, yeah. Um, who, oh, uh, delivering on the promise of the cover as the most surprising villain ever made or something yeah yeah um i don't know if he's the most surprising i've ever seen i but... sure wasn't surprised uh, my yeah. kid was like was that the most surprising i was like i don't know either <laughs> i mean i feel like ozymandias was the most surprising <laughs> yeah right like yeah uh anyway uh cap frees himself uh from the mandarin 
uh, he uses his shield to protect himself against the Mandarin's blast. He rescues Dr. Hoskins. Um, it, it, I mean, it's it's just kind of superhero fight 101 for mm-hmm. the, the back half. Um, but uh, at the very end of the issue, um, even though he has defeated the bad guy, he has rescued Vietnam's best hope for peace. He still ends the issue hanging his head, walking through the rain, and literally <laughs> dreading tomorrow. Yeah. It, and dark. all the tomorrows after. Yeah. It's yeah. dark. So, um, yeah. So I guess, I don't know, maybe I had more to say about this than I thought I did. But it is, um, if you read it not on the surface level, and the surface level it is just kind of a comic book <laughs> it's just a comic book and it's not particularly there's it's not particularly twisty but if you mm-hmm. do read it as captain metaphor um yeah it works real well uh he says i think it's on the last page uh one day captain america must surely face defeat that's big from captain Whoa. metaphor right yeah yeah and i mean i think i do think stan meant some of that it's not like you throw captain america suddenly into vietnam yeah without... you know there's no setup it's just like he has to go like uses special Avengers ID and get thrown into Vietnam. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. so Stan's trying, you know, it, yeah. and better than many silver surfer stories, yeah. but it's still, <laughs> it's still not the best story. One could say almost all silver surfer stories. <laughs> one should say that if yeah. one has read the ones we have read. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like at this point that the natural, uh, transition here is to have Jamie tell us about silver surfer. Oh um, yeah, sure. So great. Uh, this is the flame and the fury silver surfer 15 written by Stan Lee art by John Buscema and Dan Atkins. Uh, so this, uh, exciting issue of silver surfer opens with the surfer standing perfectly still talking about how he needs clothes. <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of clothes talk. in this. There's one. a lot of clothes talk it's way into clothes. It's like, man, if I was a kid when this came out, I would be like, Oh no, I'm in for it now. What, what is this possibly going to be about? Taylor's Taylor's. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as it seems he heads to a clothing store <laughs> and sort of like harasses these two guys who have a lot of personality. Yeah, I did. Are they supposed to be anybody? I feel like well, the, I always ask that. The tailor is absolutely Jack Kirby. Okay, I mean that he's got to be right. Like the little the the little guy, the pugnacious guy with a cigar, who's just like you know street talking, like refuses to be impressed by the Silver Surfer. Like yeah. I feel like that has to be. Well, that's Jack the, Kirby. that's the guy. That's the patron. He's asking for a louder suit. I no, no, no. The the the, the guy. Who oh, comes, the guy who comes from the back. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Yeah. Are there three people? Yeah, there's three. There, there's okay. there's the the customer who leaves immediately. Oh, he leaves. Yeah, I thought that was the same guy who comes out with the thing. No, I mean that's got to be Jack. Kirby. Okay, yeah, because he, he comes bursting through and says, "I'm coming, I'm coming." What's all the hollering? I only got two hands, which sounds like the thing. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, do you remember? Uh, I think this is something uh, Alan Eleven pointed out when we were talking about the the infamous uh, Village Voice article. Um, where Stan gets all the credit for mm. all the great things at Marvel and Jack is, you know, minimized and, and, uh, and he's described as looking like, um, oh, yeah. like a, like a, a, a tailor's something about like working in the clothing industry, yeah, like, which was predominantly Jewish at the time exactly. or something like that. So it was like a very specifically ethnic slur. Yeah. You know? And Whoa. it's like, I almost like this feels like picking up on that like yeah and i don't think it's meant to be disrespectful to jack i think it's actually meant to be like a funny tribute it's like oh there's jack kirby right mm-hmm. um but i do think it is sort of like buying into that whole stereotype yeah, yeah. i think you're right yeah 
Uh, Subtext. Yeah. Whoa, we we might know too much. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that about me before. No, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> uh, so uh, but they have some conversation and eventually they agree to help him buy clothes. <laughs> it's like a needlessly dramatic, not dramatic, but like it goes on it longer. It fills than four he, pages. Yeah, it yeah. certainly does. And by clothes, we mean another pervert raincoat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The same clothes that he's had literally the whole time. <laughs> He's like, they've ah. just been ganking from dumpsters. <laughs> right, right. Now, <laughs> now he's paying top dollar. Yeah, they smell better. Right. So, yeah. Um, so uh, while he's there, he mentally recaps the past like six to 12 issues of his history. Just every villain he's ever fought. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, through that, he realizes that he should visit his buddies, the Fantastic Four, uh, especially now that he has his new fancy disguise. <laughs> which, which is fooling no one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't even have the gloves this time. I don't and think. he's on the surfboard. He's on the surfboard. <laughs> he's flying around on the surfboard with like a scarf and a Macintosh or whatever, and a you know, yeah, and a hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess he is wearing trousers this time. That's the oh, that's the upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Um, he pays for the 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 suit by turning an ashtray into gold, which I was like, hey, maybe that's some symbolism for something, but I I don't know what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> like the cigarette tax or something. Uh, um, <laughs> So he gets to the Fantastic Four's place and he overhears them talking with like an army guy about getting the surfer. Um, and he jumps to the conclusion, which like, I, you know, seems kind of reasonable given everything that's happened to him in the history of the, his comic book. Uh, so he thinks they're after him. Uh, he makes a scene and the Fantastic Four try and keep him there so they can explain what's going on. Right. Uh, but they fail to A, explain and B, keep him there. Yeah. <laughs> so he, this this is one of those like very frustrating comic tropes where... Um, if the everyone involved just had one conversation, like a a, a, <laughs> a single ten second conversation, <laughs> yeah. would everything s- would be cleared up. Exactly. Yeah. Very sitcom level. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Um. So uh, the Human Torch follows him. Uh, they fight quite a bit. Um. They get into space for a, a moment, and the surfer like bonks into the barrier that he, he forgets about. He, that he forgets about. I was like, oh That's- wait. When when one important mo- moment here. <laughs> On page seven, the surfer leaves the tailor shop. Like at six, he's done, and they show him outside of it. Mm-hmm. On page eleven, he throws off all of his clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to point yeah, out that uh, this lasted for four pages because they're uh, holding him back. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he couldn't possibly fight in a trench coat. Yeah, then he bonks himself on the atrium <laughs> yeah, of Galactus. Yeah, not yeah. his finest hour. In order to preserve my freedom, then let me be fettered by no human clothes. <laughs> Like this definitely if there were some kids who read this at exactly the right age and it definitely informed some of their preferences. Come later Lando. In life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let it be known the surfer only fights nude. <laughs> um, Greco Roman style. Yeah. Uh, so the surfer bonks into the barrier that's keeping that's been keeping him there. He kind of falls back to earth. Um and then the t- I don't know. They both kind of fall back to earth. They're both kind of fine. Yep. Uh, the the torch gets pinned by the surfboard, which I thought was actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all basically fine. Uh, the surfer says like he'll never trust another human again, which I think he now says every issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this time, this time, seriously, this time, guys. seriously, yeah. I can quit humans anytime I want. <laughs> I'm just choosing not to. He is trapped on our planet. Yeah. To be fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he Johnny says like he would never betray a friend um, but while he's saying that uh, the general calls calls in some more army folk because their fight's getting out of hand 
Page 17 has my panel of the month. The guns? <laughs> oh, the one Jeez. before the guns. Oh, he yeah, is yeah. so emo that he cannot even support his own body weight against a pole. Yeah, yeah. he's just bummed. <laughs> yeah. He's just listening to the cure. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the army shows up to blast the surfer. Surfer gets away. Uh, there's an intense panel of the surfer screaming, I will endure no more. Oh, if you think you've seen an intense silver surfer panel, <laughs> uh, wait three months. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Mark this day. Or that <laughs> day? Mark a day. Wait three months of Marvel time or uh, our time? The the issue that comes, the last issue of Silver Surfer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They are doing all this fighting. The army's now kind of blasting away. And ultimately, Johnny gets hurt in the fight and falls on some su- subway tracks as a train is coming. The surfer zips in and rescues him at the last moment and wonders why the Fantastic Four would betray him. Uh, he brings Johnny back and then overhears the army talking about how they really just wanted the surfer for their budding space program. Yeah. Um, at, at which point the surfer realizes that he is the jerk of this issue <laughs> and that maybe that makes him too human oh. or not human enough? Question yeah. mark? Uh, it's a thinker. It oh, is a think piece. So yeah. many, yeah. So many Silver Surfer issues happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> two things I will say about this issue: I was less bored uh, by this issue than any other Silver Surfer issue recently, other than the Spider-Man issue, which I thought was great. Mm. Um, True. Also, I feel like, and I don't know if it's just Dan Adkins doing the inks, but um, I feel like the art on this one there's a lot more interesting and dynamic stuff going on. Like I, I feel like maybe the last few solar surfers again, before the Spider-Man um, really felt like uh, everyone's lowest priority that month. Mm. Um, and I, I also think that it's no, it's no coincidence that we had Spider-Man last month that we have the human torch this month. It's like <laughs> yeah. the writing is on the wall for this book uh-huh. uh, and they are trying to juice the sales. They're trying to make this a Marvel, not team up and yeah. just keep, bringing in guests right to, to yeah. see yeah yeah exactly but man he just he can't catch a break he i mean it's really dumb and repetitive mm-hmm. that he can't trust anyone when he should when someone's telling him that no i'm your friend yeah it's cool yeah uh so which he is does the wrong thing every time yeah which yeah. leads me to the incredible hulk <laughs> oh yeah oh man i uh, didn't even see that coming <laughs> I I was just carefully laying the, the paving <laughs> stones. You've uh, been orchestrating that since this morning. Yeah. Everything you've said is you've been mad thinkering it. Uh, into been, it's like the usual Orca, suspects. Dorma. <laughs> or Dorcas Dorma. Been cranging it since this morning. I have been. Um so Incredible Hulk number one twenty seven, written by Roy Thomas, art by Herb Drimpy. Uh this issue starts out with a fully clothed and awake Bruce Banner. Whoa, yeah. take a drink. Yeah. He's uh he's walking across a busy street daydreaming about how sucky his life is. Uh <laughs> so he gets hit by a truck so hard it knocks him out of his shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pedal three. It's like that's how you start a story. Yeah. Have <laughs> your main character get hit by a truck. Yeah. Right. He, he also bashes his head into the side of a car while flying and falling. Uh, but old Banner is a strong-headed sort, and he survived. Uh, he's also trying to wave everyone away from him because, you guessed it, Hulk time. Yeah. You got to <laughs> um, feel like the truck driver had some complicated feelings about this moment. She's <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, yay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a roller coaster. Um, Can Hulk- I just also say, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but uh, uh, page two, 
this feels I, I don't know if you all read uh incredible hulk in the 80s and 90s but this like feels like a day dale keown page yeah like all the faces in this it's like so much yep they uh, have that sort of uh there's like this sort of angular way that they look like sort of squared off when they're turned like it just looks yeah very yes. yeah um it's very similar. I thought Alan Davis actually. Oh yeah, that yeah, too. Yep. Splash page in particular. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so Hulk is mad that and uh, that everyone he's yelling at runs away. Uh, so uh, he <laughs> so smashes the car and storms <laughs> off. So it's just usual Hulk stuff now. Um, Hulk does notice some people suddenly fading away though. Just keeps walking. He yeah. just sees them sort of fade away. What are you going to do? And he, uh, he's he busy. He doesn't have a lot of object permanence. To <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, right. He is like. He turns around. Do you mean that? He's like the no deadliest normal. of goldfish. Yeah. Um, uh, as he's busy bending up a light post, some cops are pointing guns at him and then they vanish too. And by Hulk logic, this means that whoever made the mean blue coated humans disappear must be his friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's having a real banner day. Yeah. Hey. Oh. Uh, so now we jump down into the earth where we see a gleeful <laughs> Tyrannus. He's been trying to teleport the Hulk, but is happy that the randos he has teleported have made Hulk reveal his fatal flaw. He wants to have friends. Aww. <laughs> um, I mean, way to just spin straw, gold out of straw. Like, yeah. I, like just, you know, to find the silver lining in the fact that you're just not very good at what you're trying yeah. to do. I right. can't, I'm teleporting random people <laughs> near the Hulk, but I just can't, can't nail this down. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, I'll say Tyrannus this time. Um, somebody write in and tell us definitively. Like, Tom Brevoort has to know which way this is said not that he's gonna Rob, write I, in. I don't know how to break this to you gently he doesn't listen to this show oh, no. i know <laughs> no. i know but somebody he knows does i know they don't uh so <laughs> then uh i'm gonna say tyrannus insults his followers and reveals his plan um to have something named mogul befriend and betray hulk uh mogul is a big jerk uh <laughs> he's like eight feet tall and he knocks the other subterraneans out of his way while insulting them because he can't wait for them to clear a path. Yep. So our introduction is, oh, he sucks. Um, Mogul is a big, bald, white guy, like Mr. Clean with a Magneto-like costume. Hmm. Uh, no cape, but red with purple accents. He also has a metal harness thing and spiky arm and wristbands that are shiny metal. Yeah. He's also got the Silver Surfer eye makeup treatment, yeah. which I like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He 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 looks like I mean powerful and big but also kind of generic like he's the guy who, you know, twice a year they just bring into the wrestling organization yep. to like challenge the champ and he's like, "Oh, this big unstoppable brutal machine." And then, you know, he actually gets in the ring and he can't work, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. He's too big for yeah, it. So um so he also has an optional metal helmet that is like a knight's, but with larger openings for eyes and mouth. Hmm. Yeah. So a little That's practical. Very clever uh, for, you know, designing those accessories for the action figure. That yeah. Will yeah. certainly be made. Of oh, sure. <laughs> uh, it's clear that he, uh, it's also clear that he only obeys Tyrannus. <laughs> I'm going to pick a lane. Do you want to come a, a third treatment? No, uh, we we did we did workshop yeah, that. We and, workshopped. Uh, you can save it for when you're ready. Tyrannus. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, mogul mogul. I 
I think it's there's an O on the end, so I'm going to say Mogul. Yeah. Gets beamed up to the surface where we get some huge fighting for four pages. Yep. Uh, in this fight, Hulk gets a house thrown on him and then wants them both to get hit by a subway train to see who will survive. <laughs> Hulk is like a full Hulk logic yeah. throughout this issue. <laughs> yeah, he is full plan. frat boy. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets so bummed when the train stops in time that he starts to grab the train to smash Mogul <laughs> with... Uh, but is attacked by Mogul in time to spare, you know, everyone on the train. Yep. Um, Mogul keeps yelling about wanting to be Hulk's friend the whole time. Uh, since they can't really hurt each other, Hulk finally gives him a chance. Uh, they grab hands <laughs> and then, then vanish into the underworld. I just also love like when Hulk is beating up Mogul uh, in the subway tunnel, um, it like, Mogul is like, no, dude, you're cool. We're going to be pals. Uh, and, and Hulk is just not buying. He like throws him through like a bunch of steel beams. Um, and Mogul, as he's flying through the air, says, I shall not rest until you are my friend. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like this issue is a cry for help from someone at Marvel. <laughs> yeah, like someone has something going on. That is not being resolved through normal means. <laughs> I love the Herb Trimpy art there. That is, this is where I do come around to like, mm. one, this isn't that cartoony of a style, mm. the whole issue, but that, that like panel being very horizontal across the bottom as he's oh, like yeah. smashing through like what, eight of 12 or something of these pillars. Yeah. The metal yelling yeah. friend the whole time. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Um, so once they're vanished into the underworld, uh, Tyrannus instantly and insultingly puts them both to work. Uh, he Hulk doesn't mind getting yelled at because he has a friend now. He's, yeah. yeah. The two of them looking at the blueprints yeah. in that map panel is adorable. I can hear like buddy music going on <laughs> behind them. Um, so It's a t- nice montage. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Tyrannus has uh, the big plan of having Hulk help fortify and build weapons for his army and then march them over to totally F up the Mole Man. Yeah. And that bottom panel on page 14, I mean, Rob, you've been reading a lot of Mobius lately, but oh. is that not a Mobius panel? Yeah. Like, that, uh, that looks completely like the Inkle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whoa. Good eye. Um, so there's apparently not enough room inside the whole earth for these two underworld leaders. Um, <laughs> they're, they've got beef and they've got turf. Um, so <laughs> Mole Man would normally not be worried, but once he sees that uh, Tyrannus has the Hulk and Mogul leading the army, he gets a little freaked out. Uh, also, I got to say, Mole, Mole Man, Man looking look, great. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the best he's ever trimmed looked. up. He's been on some kind of slim fast thing. He's or been whatever. doing like a yeah. whole 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is yep. this the only time he's looked like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's I just, you know, I, I'm going to say like, maybe that's an intentional decision, but it might be just the herb trimp. He doesn't draw on model all the time. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Somebody later was like, you sent that out. That's not what mole man looks like. <laughs> um, so then in the insane fighting that starts, uh, Mogal gets hit by uh, some ray and his his arm gets messed up. Yeah. And Hulk runs over to help him, but sees that the inside of the arm is robotic. <laughs> this is where it gets real yeah, weird. Yeah, this issue takes a turn here. Hulk, yeah. Hulk logic uh, really breaks down. So in Hulk logic, whether or not Mogal really likes him is moot since he's a robot. Mm. Um, it's pretty racist. It is pretty yeah. racist. Yeah. 
And Hulk just does not care about artificial intelligence whatsoever. No. And he lacks his organic intelligence. So, um, <laughs> so Hulk rips <laughs> literally in half in a scene prescient of the old Wolverine rip that will come much later in an ultimate uh, uh, ultimates oh, comic. Yeah. Um, not in Hulk 181, as some people think, you know, he, they have a fight when Wolverine appears, but he doesn't get ripped in half. No. That's a, that's sort of a retconny thing. Yeah. Um, then a brutal scene of smaller and smaller bits of <laughs> oh, Mogul yeah. earnestly reiterating his friendship uh, for the Hulk just to happen. And Hulk continues just crushing him literally to dust. Yeah. It is brutally terrible. Yeah. He ends up, so he goes from a body to a body ripped in half to like a small, uh, I don't know, like a brain pan. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like a small machine you could hold in your hands, which Hulk then crushes. And then smushes to dust. Like, it's just done in so many steps. And yeah. the whole time, he's like, I love you. Yeah. Please, Hulk, do pal. not smash me. <laughs> do not destroy me. I am your friend, Hulk. Your only friend. Oh, it's, it's tough. Yeah. This was a this was a deeper Hulk issue than I thought uh, when I volunteered for it. But, but Hulk gets mad and confused. And after breaking down the gates of Mole Man City with this giant piece of machinery... Um, just, you know, doing what Tyrannus says, he turns around uh, to seemingly threaten Tyrannus and, and then instead leaps over him back to Tyrannus's empty city because everyone's out having war uh, and then totally <laughs> destroys it. It's <laughs> weird. And then Hulk then muses about maybe not destroying his only friend. And that's too bad because he's dust now. Yeah. And then walks off into a cave. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Hulk was wrong to smash him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't smash your friends, kids. Yeah. That's not a hard lesson. It's a that was a big and weird. There were some huge turns in that story. The whole like jumping back to destroy the entire domain of Tyrannus was not something I saw coming on the last yeah. page. Yeah. It, it was uh <laughs> it, it was a wild turn of events. Um I I just these like Hulk is not always a good book uh, in this era, but it is never a boring book. Like yeah. there's always stuff that happens here. It's like, I did not see that coming. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like that, they, I think they stuck the landing on a few emotional beats in this. Yes. Like, I mean, we're joking around about it, but like, I mean, they're like, if you're of age, like that was probably emotionally affecting. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the fact where he's just like murdering his only friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that hit me even now. Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 I mean, we're we're older and softer now. We've but... murdered our friends and things oh, by sure. now. But yeah. yeah. To a certain hasn't. age. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, you haven't lived. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to uh, take us over to Avengers number 75. Uh, this story is called The Warlord and the Witch. It's written by Roy Thomas, art by John Buscema, and Tom Palmer. Uh, I'm relieved to tell you uh, that there are no awkward racial dynamics uh, in this issue. Um, So that's one issue of Avengers in a row uh, where that is the case. (laughs) We need one of those little signs that they have in like (laughs) gone X amount of days without an accident. incident. Yeah, (laughs) X amount of days without something that has aged terribly. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I also noticed a, you know, distinct lack of yellow jacket so that probably helps mm. well yes yeah. exactly uh the story starts out perfectly with hank pym announcing that he's leaving the avengers <laughs> Yay. Um, uh he's he's going to be moving to alaska to monitor uh the oil fields effect on wildlife so if you're upset about climate change you can just blame it directly on hank pym's bad science <laughs> <laughs> um 
Unfortunately, he's taking Janet Van Dyne and Bill Foster with him, uh, both of whom are like infinitely more interesting than he is. So has Bill Foster been around? Not really. I mean, he's like kind of been in the background of some Iron Man stories because uh, huh. he got a job at at, at uh, Stark Industries. But um, I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen hide or hair of him. Yeah. So I mean, it would have been nice if you know, we could have brought him in uh, to the stories, especially after what happened the last couple of issues of Avengers. It'd be mm. nice to have a a prominent black character doing some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, Hey, hey. <laughs> you do you Roy. Uh, anyway, you know, Hank's gone. That's great. Um, uh, the big story of this issue is the return of Quicksilver. Um, and, uh, once again, we get a tease in the story of who could this mysterious fast moving blur be. Um, and that <laughs> really only works if you're one of those kids, uh, who was lucky enough to like be buying the, um, the issues of the, you know, from the drugstore that had the covers ripped off of them, um, you know, for a penny a piece. Uh, but, um, if you, if you saw the cover of this issue, you know exactly who this is as soon as, uh, this starts happening. Also another claim to fame of this cover is, uh, this cover is the Quicksilver, uh, card in marvel puzzle quest oh, oh well there you go yeah so yep. yeah it, it, it's I, his hero shot i immediately yeah. wanted to possess this <laughs> nice it, <laughs> it is a uh, it, it's a beautiful john buscema quicksilver cover mm-hmm. so can't yeah buscema's art in this is great it is pretty great yeah yeah um i'm a huge fan and and palmer's doing the inks so like this is these guys would come and go from the avengers uh like they would be doing the avengers in the late 80s which is when i started reading the avengers Mm. um and uh i have very fond uh nostalgic attachment to this art team Mm -hmm. so um anyway quicksilver shows up in avengers mansion he scares the hell out of jarvis the butler um and while i do have some complaints about how roy thomas has handled the avengers so far um the fact that he has made Jarvis into a more fully fleshed out supporting character, that is not one of them. I think that's awesome. Yeah, um, agreed. I think that's the entire reason that that he is sort of um, the uh, sort of Alfred the Butler of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, he offers tea and then gets, you know, like knocked over as Quicksilver runs off and says, uh, you know, maybe he should consider another line of work. <laughs> His mother did so want me to, or want him to become a CPA. Yeah, you get a little like slide trombone. Yeah, uh, that's a, the next panel. By the way, is very strange when he's like leaving there. He's like horizontal in the street. Yeah, I feel like the the something's not right with the way that's drawn. Like the yeah, perspective is quicksilver pinball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like fully horizontal in front of a car that he it just looks bounced as off bonkers of. as the human top did when yeah. he first debuted. Yes. Right, yeah. right. Must have more speed, more. <laughs> um, and the way to do that is by curling up into a ball and bouncing off of cars. Uh, uh, so Quicksilver, uh, he he finds the Avengers at Hank Pym's going away press conference. Um, they have a predictable initial disagreement, which leads to everyone behaving irrationally and fighting. Um, then Giant Barton catches uh, Quicksilver after he bounces off of Vision. After he bounces <laughs> off of Vision, so Vision that. Then this is the first meeting between Quicksilver and his future brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, claim to fame for the issue. Yep. So, uh, yeah, they, they they subdue Quicksilver. Um, he chills out a little bit, uh, and then he shares his tale of woe. So, um, I hope you've had enough <laughs> Avengers action uh, <laughs> because that's it for this Sit issue. Sit back, right, folks. Right. Space yeah. Conan. <laughs> this is another thing I don't love about Roy Thomas's take on the Avengers is that. You get like three pages of Avengers, and then the rest of it is 
whatever story he actually wanted to tell. Yeah. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't just do what you want, man. Like, like <laughs> there's a cover, like people are buying this for a specific reason. Yeah. That uh, ship has sailed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, here, here's the deal. Um, this is the flashback we get. Uh, so uh, Quicksilver's sister, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, uh, she, re- if you remember, she lost her hex power months ago. Um, that's why she left the Avengers. Um, uh, she's been touring the libraries of Europe in search of arcane knowledge to help her restore it. Um, so in addition to this being the first meeting of Quicksilver and Vision, this is also the first indication we have that Wanda's power is more than just a mutant ability. Hmm. Um, so this is like the first kind of inkling that this is actual magic that she does. Huh. Quicksilver refuses to believe it. Um, he says, no, your powers come from you being a mutant. Um, but, uh, you know, he's being a supportive brother, sort of. Uh, and <laughs> To a know. fault, like always. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, they wind up exploring the library of a creepy old hermit, wizard, monk person. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Europe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're all over the place. <laughs> just places filthy with them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, as they do, a glowing tome reveals itself. Um, and Wanda starts reading a spell within it and it summons Archon the Magnificent. Um, <laughs> Rob, can you give us a, a description of Archon the Magnificent, please? Conan. Yep. <laughs> it's Conan with a quiver full of lightning bolts. <laughs> yep. Done. So this is, uh, I believe this is all part of Roy Thomas's attempt to get some swords and sorcery stuff happening in, uh, Marvel comics. Hmm. Uh, he did that story in um, was it Tower of Shadows that we talked about with Joe Keating a couple weeks ago, yep. um, uh, where he did like a very Conan knockoff uh, Star the Star the Saxon or yeah. something like or no that's that's Alan. Star Saxon is different it's Star yeah. something yes but it, he he is very much uh, and I I should say Conan I always like uh, you know I've been reprogrammed by Conan O'Brien oh oh <laughs> but whoa. It grew up fully saying conan conan huh conan of the barbarian it's kazar yeah yeah um it's not kazar (laughs) (laughs) yeah hey everybody it's kazar (laughs) that sounds way more fun uh and then but if you remember like when roy thomas first started writing uh submariner he basically did like i mean it was an underwater swords and sorcery yeah oh yeah yeah, that was whatever nama the forever story yeah, yeah. the skull the serpent headed it even ended with the serpent headed god sorcerer yeah. yeah yeah totally and and when he was like at the very beginning when namor first got his own story like he was like on that infinite quest for the spear and yeah. like it felt very very much like hey it's conan conan but underwater yeah mm-hmm. um I have to say, I have to correct myself. It was Naga because I remember oh. the joke of the saga of oh, Naga. 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 Yeah. Naga. Callback. Okay. Um, well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously Roy is trying to make this happen. For all we know, like Marvel is actually talking to the, was it, is it the Robert Howard estate? Did Robert Howard do Conan? I think so. I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure now. Yeah. I'm not a Conan fan. We have to look it up. I, yeah. yeah, I my fandom is fleeting. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, if if that was who it was, we're going to leave that part in. And if it's not, I'm going to get cut <laughs> out. Anyway, so for all, as far as we know, Marvel is trying to like actually get the Conan license right now. And so this is like further proof that it's like, hey, we can do a book like this. Mm. Um, so anyway, 
Um, oh, and like to put to put Archon in an Avengers book, like that's pretty prominent at the sure. time, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it gets their Justice League. Right. It's not like they're putting him in like Sol- Silver Surfer, right. or, you know, <laughs> the book that's like, about oh, to be canceled. Guy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so uh, so uh, so Archon is he is the warlord ruler of an alternate universe. He has a quiver of lightning bolts that can zap people from Earth to his world. Um, and his world is sort of this vicious realm of constant warfare. It's a real killer be killed libertarian paradise. <laughs> um, so we get a little bit of inception here because it's a flashback within a flashback. Yes. Yep. yep. So we're so far from the Avengers. Yeah. Like we just couldn't really be further away from like the reason you bought the book. Yeah. Now, yeah, now yeah. we're in space barbarian land with yeah. him reminiscing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so now we are. Yeah, we are in his flashback within. Quicksilver's flashback. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we learned that uh, Archon's world had a cosmic tragedy befall it. Uh, the energy ring that surrounded the entire planet and gave it life disintegrated, which is basically as if their sun had run out. Um, they still had, like, the planet was still warm somehow, but but because of the internal heat of it. Or Geothermal, I guess. I sure. Don't, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I have, a, I have a theory, perhaps unsurprisingly. Okay, go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> The listeners are like, Jesus, with this guy already. <laughs> with his theories. <laughs> um, the way they draw the, the Archon's view from space, like the it's the Earth or the Archon land surrounded by all these balls. Yep. I was wondering if it's like an atom. Oh. Like, is this, are they tiny? Is Archon land in the micro universe or it's something? Possible. I mean, we'll find out as we read through the next 50 years of Marvel <laughs> oh, comics. Oh, <but>. good. <laughs> Great. You'll Place get your, your answers. <laughs> yeah. I just thought like given how they end up fueling it or like with the light from the. Oh the, yeah. You know, because like, yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause that, that's the deal. So it's like, so the, basically their, their sun has gone out. Um, they can't grow any food. There are diseases that thrive on darkness on their world. Um, so it's like, everyone's getting hit by a plague, uh, but suddenly light returns one day. Um, and it's due to atomic explosions on earth. Um, every time there's an atomic explosion on Earth, it lights up Archon's world for one year. Um, unfortunately for them, Earth is not warlike enough to cause a massive enough nuclear explosion. <laughs> yeah, we get that a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they got like a, a really massive nuclear explosion, it would be enough to illuminate their world permanently. It would also destroy the Earth, but that's a secondary concern right. for them. Um, and so Archon watches Earth for two decades. Uh which I didn't catch that until I kind of skimmed back through it again. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, so this is like the between 1944 or 45 or whenever the first atomic explosion yeah. happened. And then like, so now we are caught up to present time. So we're about to get out of this first flashback. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the kick has started and we're falling backwards in the van. Yep. There you go. Uh, and, and as he's uh, watching Earth for two decades, uh, he learns of words and phrases that might bridge the Great Barrier if they were spoken by mutants, creatures born of the atom's rampant power. Mm. <sighs> yeah, we are leaning into the atomic age. Yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, way to make this. It's like, oh, it's not actually sorcery after all. Kind of. It's mutants, <laughs> but uh, sort huh. of, you know. Uh, basically he plants a magic book for Wanda to discover. He tricks her into reading the spell that would transport him there. It's so simple of a premise. Even a child could follow it. <laughs> <laughs> Who these books were presumably written for. Right, right. Uh, Archon uses his magic bolts to transport himself and Wanda back to his world. And that's when Pietro 
runs off to find the Avengers. So end flashback. We finally made it to the start of the issue. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. We're back where we started. Um, on literally the last page of the issue. Um, because conveniently enough, as Pietro finishes this story, the Avengers see a news broadcast about a barbarian with lightning bolts abducting top nuclear scientists from a major conference. Which is good that they did hear that because they're poking holes in this story right away. Both yes. uh, Vision, I wrote that. Both Vision and uh, Black Panther are like, there are inconsistencies in your story. Like, there are holes. Why? Well, yeah. I thought it was a weird thing to add given i mean like what <laughs> like you wrote the story why, why are there inconsistencies yeah yeah well it, i maybe it's just trying to reinforce the fact that they don't trust him um and that this does sound like an insane story because it absolutely is yeah i mean it is totally a fever dream of lsd yeah. yes yeah agreed yeah which and roy's a straight edge guy so like mm. I he was just imagining if somebody with Quicksilver's metabolism did LSD. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, so anyway, uh, Quicksilver doesn't have to answer any of these awkward questions because um, Archon has been abducting all these top nuclear scientists uh, from this major conference. These scientists combine knowledge, we are told, could be used to destroy the very Earth itself. Bum, bum, bum. And that's our cliffhanger. Yeah. So, boy, can you imagine? There, there's, there's an uh, editorial edict at Marvel right now about having self-contained stories, because you can't count on getting, you know, the next issue. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the poor kid who picks up the next issue of Avengers and doesn't have this one, <laughs> and is like trying to piece this together? The other thing, the other thing I kept thinking about was, does Archon just has this? quiver of lightning bolts for when he's not on his planet because what happens if he uses them on his planet like just oh yeah do they nothing like yeah, nothing oh they right, yeah. right. Nothing they just happens. stay exactly yeah. where they just are just like bam and they're like okay lightning bolt cool <laughs> yeah. let's yeah. let's right. lark I buddy a weapon. yeah yeah i created a weapon that makes me stand exactly here <laughs> but on earth <laughs> so i just made me go on this whole larping thing in my mind and i was laughing so hard i cried and barb was like what is wrong and i'm like i'm just thinking about this conan knockoff from subspace or something i don't know she's like i'm gonna go yeah and i'm like yeah you ask i'm so, leaving you yeah. <laughs> Every day. Ooh, ooh. Speaking of uh, a lady leaving a man, hmm. I would like to talk about <laughs> so organic. Uh, the girl or the gladiator? Daredevil sixty three, written by Roy Thomas, art by Gene Colan, and Sid Shores. Um. All right. So Karen hits sort of an understandable breaking point with Matt, who is continually choosing his tights over his relationship with her. Sure. Uh, so she's out. She quits. She quits the law firm and she's heading home to pack for a flight uh, leaving from Newark. I mentioned that only because Newark Airport is awesome now. It used to be a hellhole and now it is like beautiful and expensive and fancy. Oh, great. If you can hang out in the Newark Airport, I highly recommend it. There's your recommendation. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> somebody's slipping Jamie some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Beautiful Newark. <laughs> Sunny Newark. <laughs> Newark Airport. It's barely New Jersey. <laughs> you wouldn't even know it's in Jersey. It doesn't even smell like garbage sometimes. <laughs> the more you know. Oh, okay, sorry. Newark. <laughs> um, so her flight like could be the ticking clock of this issue. Uh, it, it doesn't really play out that way, but it, it, with like only a slight modification, it could, and it mm. would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so either way, she's leaving town. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, Foggy and Matt are headed to an island prison off New York City uh, to meet uh, with the locked up the gladiator, who primarily is a daredevil bad guy, but also recently fought Iron Man. Yes, correct. Yep. Um, also, I, I, I wanted to point out um, bottom panel, page three. Um, this doesn't happen often, but every so often, uh, Foggy Nelson is drawn to look almost exactly like ja- uh, Justin McElroy. Um, <laughs> and uh, that is this is one of those times. So everyone get out your Marvel Unlimiteds um, <laughs> and uh, you can see Gene Cullen drawing uh, Justin McElroy uh, 50 years before uh, spooky, before today. Yeah, spooky. it's eerily predictive. Um, also, that just as a side note, the art in this issue is really close. Yeah. The perspective is like very aggressive. It's and, very claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of cool. Because it all takes place in a prison. Ooh, yeah. I didn't, nice. Gene knows. Gene can't doing. get the camera in there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So they're going to see Gladiator. Gladiator is swearing that he's not Gladiator. Uh, no matter how many pieces of his costume the prison forces him to wear <laughs> to jog his memory. <laughs> Love this. This it's is better so, than like a Joker ploy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man, the premises. It's so great. Also, uh, like this whole thing, I was wondering if this was actually going, not because it's like a really cleverly established <laughs> plot point, but like later on, it is kind of established that the gladiator is a multiple personality. Like, Oh, whoa. Really? He is like, there, there's a, a, there are times when he is totally sedate and he's ashamed of like what he has done. And he tries to be this like really meek and mild person. And then there are times when he is the gladiator. Oh my gosh. Um, That makes him so much more interesting. Exactly. So it's like, I was wondering, it's like, is this where that comes from? It has to be. Yeah. I mean, it does, but not in this issue. (laughs) No, no. Somebody read this issue and then (laughs) 10 years later made something cool out of it. I think it's a Frank Miller thing, but it might be a Denny O'Neill thing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 10 listeners don't trust me on time. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say 10 years sounds optimistic. Uh, (laughs) Like eight to 10 is about right. Oh, wow. I think you got it. Yeah. I smelled it. (laughs) (laughs) The gladiator is kind of verbally jousting with the prison therapist. Um, I, I think this is interesting because of like the Harley Quinn syndrome, which hasn't happened yet. But like eventually any prison therapist is like suspect and not to be trusted like down the road. <laughs> yeah. Like they're always getting coerced into believing the prisoner. But that hasn't happened yet. So this guy's like, you're full of it. Like, obviously, this is not true. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, we get like a cutback to Karen, who's like packing and being really sad. There's some awesome shots of her kind of crying. And she's just really hoping against hope that um, Matt will call so they can be together. Mm -hmm. Um, Back at the prison, eventually, uh, Foggy (laughs) gives the gladiator his gladiator blades to prove that the gladiator (laughs) is the gladiator, which the gladiator pretends not to want, but then immediately uses them to like break out of the prison. So I'm trying to figure out how Foggy thought this was going to (laughs) go. It's like either it doesn't work. And in which case it doesn't matter that you handed them to him or it is going to work. And and that was a terrible idea. Yeah. (laughs) And some cop is going to try to shoot him, which has happened before unsuccessfully. And will probably happen again. Yeah. Uh, Because the, everyone's in the room, uh, Matt can't do much until he breaks a light bulb so he can fight in the dark. So you think we get one of those awesome dark fight scenes. 
uh, but we don't. Like two panels later, someone fixes the light bulb. <laughs> they like show the little guy like screwing in the light bulb. I thought that was great. Him making such a big deal about I'm swinging my cane around and oops, I accidentally <laughs> wait, I hit something. I'm doing great. Like that whole shtick was yeah. just that would be like a Lucille Ball like exactly. kind of like skit. level of ridiculousness. Yeah. yeah. Look, man, he went to law school, not drama academy. <laughs> well, he sure lies a lot. <laughs> Uh, so Gladiator's now loose. Uh, I don't know if he's in the walls. Like that, it gets a little confusing. Like the paneling, how he gets out of that scene, but he's loose in the prison. Um, while Daredevil is kind of psyching himself up to fight, he remembers Karen's like flight time and wants to get away to call her, but he just can't. Uh, Daredevil and the Gladiator have like a quippy duke it out fight around the prison. Uh, Daredevil actually teabags Gladiator's <laughs> lower back at one point. It's a real weird fight scene. It's there is a that panel on page fifteen, uh, the top panel, uh, just oh, the wall, the brick wall thing. Yeah, the brick. It's just Gladiator slamming Daredevil into this like chimney brick wall thing, looking, and it, it's like Gene Colan perfect art. Yeah, like, yeah. yep. Just uh, there's been a lot. Of, there's some art that's questionable in here, but that that one panel is just beautiful. Yeah, I feel yeah. like a lot of the momentum didn't work in this book, and it usually does. Yeah, yeah and I, I was wondering if that's because of the claustrophobic sense. So you win with the claustrophobia, but you lose with the momentum. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think uh, with the inker Sid Shores, I think um, who's not the usual inker. That's um, like a a punt for inking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of one. Yeah, I I mean I hate. I hate running down anyone who, you know. Well, if his name shows up on it, it means that it was running late and somebody yes. was helping. That's what I mean. I didn't yep. mean that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah, exactly. It was a, it, it probably a rush job um, because, again, Gene is drawing like four books this month, right. you know, five yeah. books maybe. Um, yeah. So maybe that's also a reason why everything is so kind of zoomed in. Oh, because it's less to draw. A bigger it's face. Less to draw. Yeah. yeah. Walk out the scene. Right, it's right, fine. right. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you do get a lot of those. Um the like I don't there should be a name for them where the background's just one color. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know what that would be, but backgroundless background. Yeah. 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 So they're duking it out. Karen, meanwhile, tearfully gets on the plane and the plane takes off. And I, I was surprised at that. That didn't I, yeah. like it really seemed like he would, you know, in the nick of time do the bare minimum to keep his but, but this is but, Matt Murdock yeah, so we're talking about here the bare minimum <laughs> yep back at the fight gladiator special gladiator blades disintegrate at a crucial moment in the fight so he loses <laughs> which is exactly as foggy and Matt had planned oh all along God. twist <laughs> they could have just made those things disintegrate way Real faster fast. yeah. yeah they could have just been made of like plaster right yeah, yeah. like give them the idea yeah. yeah there would be about a million dollars less property damage and maybe other f- i mean i don't know what other fallout occurs from this but yeah, there's some cops around like i imagine some people are hurt yeah. yeah yeah um so daredevil runs off to use the phone to call karen uh uh but she's gone as we've already seen which I maybe was a questionable decision. Like maybe it would have been better to not know that she was already gone. Mm. So you cut back to her phone and it's ringing and it's ringing and ringing and she's gone. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a dramatic ending. It obviously wrapped up way too quickly on the last page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's classic Gene. Classic Gene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's a romance comic disguised as a superhero. Comic. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. And the romance was better. I, I, I thought the romance was handled more 
adeptly than yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. I, would, I would say like over the last half dozen issues of Daredevil, like the romance angle has been the more interesting part yeah. of the book. Or the horror when they were doing the yeah. skullless horse bones. Thing. Yeah. Yep. The glowy horse bone. Or, <laughs> that will live on forever. <laughs> Mr. Glowy Horse Bones. <laughs> Who could forget? Um, you got your official handbook to the Marvel Universe, yeah. kids. Look up Mr. Glowy Horse Bones. That sounds like one of Deadpool's cards. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, right, right. yeah. Uh, so, well, now that, like, so as we were saying, like, the romance was kind of the best part of this book, sort of. And yeah. now Karen is gone, question mark? Like, I don't know what that leaves for this book. I mean. Maybe she just comes back next issue. Yeah. I mean, I don't think she'll be gone for too long. At yeah. a certain point, she stays away for a while. And then when she comes back, there are consequences. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's not for another half decade or so. so <sighs> mm. Yeah. Time does not fly sometimes. No. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Uh, all right. We got one left, Rob. Okay. Um, I have no snappy segue into this. Um, this is just Submariner number 25. <laughs> A world. I was going to say, speaking of Submariner 25. <laughs> it's titled A World My Enemy, written by Roy Thomas, art by Sal Bashema, with Jim Mooney and Joe Guadioso, which is Mike Esposito. Um, so I want to do <laughs> I want to do a set of trading cards that are just Mike Esposito's fake <laughs> names. <laughs> That's awesome. Because <laughs> there's like half a dozen of them at this point. I've, I, I want it to be like a whole like heist team. Yes. Mm-hmm. All, but yeah. All Mike Esposito. <laughs> yeah. Like, but in yeah. the Marvel universe, like oh that would God. be the best. Oh, that would be great. Yes. Um, yeah. So so Submariner is back as my favorite subby flavor. eco-terrorist surprise yeah um yeah he was already we talked about this with Corey mintz uh and when he popped up in iron man there was some pollution issues and he uh he messed some stuff up yep um and was very upset notably because he found some dead fish (laughs) um so so uh, after the events of the fabled Dorma Dorcas Orca and Krang, <laughs> yeah, well done. Atlantis is in need of some inspection and repairs. So Namor and Dorma head out to do some inspecting of the outer frontiers of their territory, uh, riding a fish shell themed chariot pulled by some sea turtles. Yeah, it's kind of like an underwater duck boat. Yeah, yeah, right, it's pretty right. cool. Yeah. Um, as they approach the furthest outpost of the kingdom, they hear no trumpets to herald Namor's approach, which is weird. And sure enough, <laughs> he's like, trumpets play wherever I go. What <laughs> yeah. is going on here? Dorma's the one who's mainly concerned and <laughs> yeah. Namor's like playing it down. Like, it's cool. It's you fine, know, it's fine. fine if the trumpets don't go all the yeah, time. So I'm with have to you make for big... the trumpets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they find all the Atlanteans at the outpost dead. So this is a little, this is a step up from some fish that Namor found in the Iron Man. Yeah, right, right. Um, So the Scooby-Doo mystery is over very quickly as Namor finds canisters of chemical agents labeled Property U.S. Army Chemical Warfare. Uh, Army. (laughs) Just maybe black out the, uh, anyway, apparently (laughs) the sentries thought the, the toxic garbage canisters were depth charges and fired upon them, which caused them to leak and kill everybody. Right. Um, Namor uses himself to drill a hole in the ocean floor, create a whirlpool and send all the garbage deeper into the planet. Uh, I assume down to the mole man. Say, or, yeah, yeah. The mole man launches a revenge plan against Namor. We're inceptioning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Namor is appropriately pissed. 
everyone expects him to immediately start war against the surface. Um, but he has a more subtle plan, especially considering Namor. Yeah. 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 Uh, he sends small crews to the surface to start ordering and diverting all ship traffic from their boundaries Mm -hmm. from, um, one crew disables the rudder of a shipping vessel and has whales pull it to shore. Um, most vessels are diverted peacefully, but some get, get sunk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, then Namor personally lifts an entire Soviet sub out of the water and deposits it on land to make a point. Yep. Um, with the stage set, Namor and Dorma head to the United Nations, force their way in, and Namor demands that Atlantis be recognized and admitted as a member of the UN, which was, you know, reasonable. Yeah. Especially yeah. comparatively, but like baseline reasonable. Yeah. Like, that, we are a nation, yeah. folks. Yeah. And that feels like a very like a modern twist. Yeah. Like I, it, this like, feels like Star Trek next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good analogy. I, it absolutely feels like, I mean, I guess now we kind of take for granted. It's like, well, of course, you know, Namor is the leader of a you know recognized nation. Uh, but like, this is really the first time that has ever happened. Yeah. Um, where he's like, I have to participate in this global thing with you. So recognize us. Um, so yeah, I, this is, Honestly, I, I think like it's the best idea Roy Thomas came up with this month. Yeah, I yeah, think so too. Agreed. I loved, and then I mean, we know more about this too, where we get Magneto with a uh, an asteroid or whatever. You get to just imagine the UN of the Marvel universe. Oh. <laughs> like, Constantly. take a second to yeah. think about yeah. like Kazar being represented. <laughs> right, uh, right. Kazar, know. Black Panther, Namor, Magneto. Uh, the island off San Francisco. Latveria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Latveria. Yeah, Doom's Latveria. Krakoa. Yeah, uh, the X-Men alone have had like three or four. Yep. So it's just a, it would be a much more colorful UN. Like I would watch C-SPAN all oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it'd yeah. be must-see TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, some folks, uh, some of the folks in the UN call Namor a menace. Namor then recounts the ecological horrors that humans have wrought. And then loses his temper a bit and smashes a lectern. But just a lectern. Yeah, and just a bit of the lectern. That's yeah. the whole thing. One microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's bef- really more of a mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I think so. Yeah, before Especially they invented mic drops. So, like, yeah, he's paving the way. With Namor, like... Another a mic- Roy Thomas innovation. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Thomas invented the mic drop. <laughs> oh, um... So before anything else is discussed, Dorma's air breathing pill starts to wear off and they need to get back to their vessel at the docks. Um, Namor is getting a little weak too from expending all his energy with his temper tantrums and having no (laughs) being out of water. Um, Some army folk are blocking them at the docks with, you know, tanks and stuff as, as they do in the Marvel universe, the army's just, constantly circling new york with tanks waiting for something to happen this is not legal you cannot, <laughs> cannot do this army my kid was like are, are the army guys good or bad and i was like oh boy. <laughs> we're gonna have to bookmark this conversation <laughs> when you're older yeah yeah um so as namor worries about being able to fight them he is splashed suddenly by a bunch of water from off camera um we find out it's Diane Arliss who has shown up to throw a bucket of water on him so he can power up. <laughs> and, and there's also, I didn't mention the whole subplot deal with mm-hmm. Dorma constantly worrying about Diane cutting in on her man. She wanted to go with Namor to the UN because she thought 
this whole thing was an elaborate pretext so that he could have some time with her yeah. in New York. So she does not trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's given her no reason not to trust her, right? He's been totally... Fam- no, I mean, yeah. I would say Namor wears everything on his sleeve. He doesn't even wear <laughs> he sleeves. He doesn't even but, have sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't wear shirts or <laughs> pants, really. Yeah, yeah uh, you can tell how he's feeling at any given moment. Yeah, it's like literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so Namor's like, with with hardly a thanks, it just flies Dorma into the ship um, over the army. And then he orders the crew to fire a missile at the army folk on the dock. Who, uh, who made that missile? I oh, yeah, that's a weird-looking logo, right, on that thing? Yeah, also, like, does Atlantis have missile developers? I, so. I think their control of electricity would be either limited or super advanced. Yeah, like you only, yeah. and like, their brand is the Trident. You know, they, they, that did show up a little earlier in this issue, too, when the first... Did they buy them from Doom? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I bet, yeah, who is the arms dealer? Or are these, like, Stark? Like, did they come through Black oh, Market Stark? Huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe they developed their own <laughs> missiles. I don't know. Uh, for air. Sure, you're um, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, n- now uh, Namor looks on their view screens and sees that there are civilians, including Diane, crowding onto the dock. So he flies up, grabs the missile, and diverts it into the ocean, um, which <laughs> makes everybody. You know, he's like, I don't know what everybody's going to think of me because my my people don't know whether I'm allied with the surface or mm-hmm. with Atlantis because I'm you know of of mixed descent. Yeah, and um, which was a, a beat earlier at the very beginning of the story. Yeah, yeah. So when he returns to the ship, all the Atlanteans on board uh, and Dorma just greet him with silence yeah and he's he's so he's thinking all this like oh no it's like all the atlanteans are like oh you wouldn't let us murder humans and dorm is like you wouldn't let us murder diane arliss <laughs> yeah <laughs> she has a highly specific human on her agenda right. <laughs> yep. yeah and that's and and then we wrap up i mean i don't i wish there would have been a resolution where they're like all right, Atlantis, you're into the UN. Yeah. Even yeah. though you barged in, you're going to have to start being a little more yeah, diplomatic. Yeah, there's more process yeah. usually involved. Yeah. We'll let it slide this once. Yeah. But no, I, I love it. Uh, I, I love the whole like political angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to say, like, if you're going to have Namor be sort of this in-between character, like, you know, sort of a hero, sort of a villain, I love direct action Namor. Like, yeah. 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 And he's an environmental hero. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is, it's so cool to yeah. me. And he's right. The thing is, like, he's right. Like, all his reasoning is right. Mm-hmm. You may disagree with his methods, but it's like that's where he can live. Like, yeah. The, and and the fact that Roy Thomas figured that out is like he deserves major props. For and that. this is the this is the story that made Aquaman interesting eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of story is yep. the only thing that gave any of that. Yeah. Uh, like you're represent. I mean, it's the, like Black Panther and even Doom. Like you're representative of a people. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's what makes you interesting. Yep. Exactly. So. I also like they sort of hinted at his heritage earlier. Mm-hmm. There's like some flashbacky stuff with his ancestors founding Atlanta. Oh yeah, there's a little back history. Yeah, yep. I'm interested in that. I don't really. I'm not like a Namor fan generally, but I don't know anything about him or who I his f- parents were. Because like. because he's he's like justifying to the the Atlanteans like why he is allied with Atlantis, and he's he's uh, he's saying my heart is with Atlantis because. 
And then he goes through his mother's whole lineage. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, saying, which is the lineage of the royalty of Atlantis yes. and the history of Atlantis. But he's but it's all he's doing that to be like, I know I'm half human. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. 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 My other half is strong. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, that's the half he actually knows something about because his dad was just a ship captain who died almost immediately. So, yeah. yeah. I always assume he's from the song Brandy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. Uh all right guys. Well, uh that's our issues. Um so if we had a buck to spend on comics in February of 1970, we're going to need a raise in our allowance at some point. Oh yeah, right? You know, we are up to 15 cents an issue now. Um but if we had a dollar to spend on comics for February 1970, uh, if we'd already bought the issues that we talked about with Corey Mintz last week, we'd still have 40 cents left over. Um, so that's enough for two of these fine comics. Uh, which ones will you choose, fellas? Rob, what, do you, what are your calls? Uh, I am happy with the two I wrote my book reports on. Um, the Incredible Hulk, just that story with Mogul and the, the friendship uh, that it touched me and mm. also I mean there was some bonkers nonsense yep. too but yeah yeah uh, and he, you know him getting punched through pillars while yelling friend <laughs> that's pretty memorable <laughs> and uh, and Namor like this is this is my favorite Namor like we're mm-hmm. hitting the the moments the parts of his character that make me love him even though he's such a jerk all yeah. the time yeah well and Dorma was with him for almost the whole issue like as a counterpoint and like a supporting character would be rather than like a foil someone who drifts up on a piece of wood and it's like, yeah. "Uh." Or is captured by somebody. Yeah, exactly. She was like an actual character in this. Yep. Yeah. Jamie, what what are your picks? We have a daily double. I would take his, his books as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Incredible Hulk was great. Uh, uh, (laughs) Tyranus. Um, (laughs) I I first encountered in an issue of Warlock and and the infinity watch. Uh, He had a real silly costume and I, like mole man related yeah and i was psyched to see that like their connection is actually a billion years old oh yeah that's wild yeah um and yeah submariner was like so like not mature isn't the right word but like (laughs) sophisticated also isn't the right word yeah yeah (laughs) what's what am i looking for it just was like that like more complex i guess yeah you know like as i said i'm like reading these with my kid and i was like i bet she doesn't know what's going on in this and that's good like yeah you know there should be a range of these of what these books do it's complex but not like not needlessly complicated like the avengers story was. yeah it's not convoluted yeah <laughs> it yeah, just yeah. like has mature themes or something <laughs> yeah like, it, like the un is involved as like a significant plot point and i yep. thought that was cool yeah uh, well, I mean, who am I to disagree? I would also go with, with both of those. Um, I I really I love the the issue of Submariner. Um, it's just you know the the promise of Marvel Comics has always been like it's the world outside your window, um, and I feel like recently we haven't gotten a ton of that. But this really does feel like well, yeah. I mean, if there was an Atlantis in a world similar to ours. And, you know, it was dealing with all the effects of pollution and everything else like they would absolutely demand representation on the world stage. And if their monarch was this super powered fish man, mm-hmm. like th- it wouldn't be an option, you know, yeah, like he would right. play some hardcore real politic to make yeah. that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, and and the Hulk issue uh, is just so like emotionally resonant Mm -hmm. um and i think it's a really good combination of roy thomas's story but also uh herb trimpey's art like 
for whatever reason, he just really seemed to get at the heart of the thing. Um, he, I feel like, like Trimpy draws with a lot of heart. I don't know how mm. else to describe it, but, um, like I said, he's not always like the most technically proficient artist, but, um, it really comes across. So mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Captain America. Um, Agreed. Which, uh, I think was a better story than I gave it credit for before I started talking about it. Um, but, uh, I just think it was kind of a rush job. Um, and it was a, a little thin, especially when the Mandarin shows up, but, um, yeah. But yeah, other than that, uh, I don't think I. I think all of these like had something about to, to like yeah, about. This them. wasn't yeah. a bad bad omnibus month. Yeah. This wasn't a bad month in general. I yeah. mean, everything we talked about had something redeeming. Yep. And Silver Surfer was a beautiful issue. And if it hadn't been the same story that we have read a dozen times now, I probably and would've... last yeah. month. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there we go. Um, uh, before we go, uh, we have one uh, piece of listener mail um, and we have uh, a review to read. So mm-hmm. uh, I will start with the first. Uh, this listener who writes in uh, someone named Roberta Wenger. Oh, what a oh. weird name. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> Roberta. How, how do you pronounce that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you sure you don't want to reverse some of those letters several times for no reason? Because that's popular. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Roberta, uh, writes in, uh, and she says, Hey guys, I just listened to, uh, she said the latest omnibus episode, but I'm late reading this. So she was talking about the December, 1969 omnibus episode. And here's my take on the critique of the Iron Man comic. Tony Stark is no longer a superhero. His amazing costume gives him all his superpowers. Now without the heart protecting mechanism, Tony is a mere, although mega rich, mega brilliant, mega snarky and egomaniacal mortal capable of making super bad decisions he is not a villain his actions aren't based on evil he now has to protect his own heart from failing him so from now on all his decisions have the weight of protecting his heart to live another day after injuries many athletes play a little different mere mortals Mm. actually i'm living this philosophy by not getting back to my treadmill after breaking my foot and spraining my ankle oh no (laughs) uh maybe i created this whole thing so i can eat popcorn and watch tv or listen to podcasts (laughs) i mean I don't think you need to break your foot to do that. But. You know, she can be an extreme woman at times. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. <laughs> well, she also says uh, her two picks from that month would have been Iron Man and Silver Surfer. So hmm. uh, so there you go. Um, oh, mama. Hey, yeah. Thanks for writing in. Uh, it's awesome. And also, uh, your uh, mom and dad recently became uh, Patreon backers Yay, of the podcast. Yay, family affair. Nice. I'm very, uh, very happy to have them on board. So thank you so much. Uh, so yeah, you can uh, you can email us at marvelbythemonth at gmail with your hot takes on our hot takes. Maybe we'll read them on the show. Um, and then finally, last piece of business: reviews. We are still collecting them. They still help new listeners discover the show. They will also still get you some goodies in the mail eventually. Uh, <laughs> if you send a screenshot of your five star review to marvelbythemonth at gmail with your mailing address. Here's one that was left on Podcast Addict by listener Patrick. I think hmm. this is the first review we've ever gotten on Podcast Addict. Oh, so cool. Thank you for spreading the word, Patrick. Uh, he says, uh, as a big fan of Marvel Comics, this has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. If you combine it with a membership to Marvel Unlimited, it becomes an amazing way to relive the origins of the Marvel Universe. They give historical perspective on when the comics came out and are very entertaining. Oh, oh. oh. how about that? Uh what a take, twist. Take it to the <laughs> bank. Uh, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has emailed in reviews lately. Uh, I have been 
full disclosure, absolutely slammed with work stuff and family stuff. Um, I swear I'm going to get your goodies in the mail ASAP. Um, uh, but really do appreciate it. Um, we, we check for new reviews almost every day. Jamie checks every day. I mean, <laughs> at least say, twice yeah, a saying day. only every day really doesn't do justice to the, my process. <laughs> 700 times uh, a day. Yeah, it's not hourly, but it's not not hourly. Yeah. <laughs> Apple podcast has actually asked him to stop visiting. <laughs> yeah. I'm screwing with our metrics. Yeah. So, uh, but no, it, it's always great. Uh, it helps people discover the show. Um, and you know, it's a nice little, uh, little, I don't know, ego boost. What is it? Like it puts a little spring on our step every time we see another one come through. Yeah. So, yeah. It makes us funnier the next time. That is definitely true by <laughs> a measurable, a measurable degree. We'll reveal the map at some point. Yeah. It's, it's legit. Uh, well, that's all for this week. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Uh, Instagram's the main social channel we use. Uh, you can find us there at Marvel by the Month. Marvelbythemonth.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. Thank you so much for listening. For Marvel by the Month, I am Brian Stratton. I'm Rob Milne. I'm Jamie Wenger. And we will see you next week for next month. Mm-hmm.